Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Today we are talking about Kemba Walker with a special guest. With us, as always, Mike Mikoff. How's it going, gentlemen? My twin brother, Josh Motenko. What's up, guys? And I'm Adam Motenko. Today, our special guest to talk about Kemba Walker. Josh, you you know him. You got you guys are connected, right? That's right. We have a special guest originally from Jersey City, New Jersey. He played for Bob Hurley Sr. with Bobby Hurley and Danny Hurley back in the day at St. Anthony's High School, the most dominant high school basketball program in the nation. Five lottery picks, 28 state championships is a national record. And for some reason, this guy will defend everything New York to the death, including the Bronx's own Kevin uh, Kemba Walker. He did 20 years in the U.S. Air Force and then was a 10-year college basketball coach, uh, beginning with an internship with Mike Budenholzer, James Borrego, and Greg Popovich with the Spurs. But his most recent accolade was being a guest at my wedding two summers ago, our resident Kemba Walker defender, Coach Kevin Simmons. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Having me, guys. Kevin, thank you for joining us. So, uh, obviously, we're here talking about Kemba Walker. Uh, Kevin, what what are your just general thoughts on Kemba? Uh, I think you guys got a a good uh, a good point guard, uh, pick and roll guy. You you need a, a big man to help him out. Uh, uh, but I think you overall you have one of the best uh, pick and roll point guards and three point threats in the league. I think we all agree that uh, he's an upgrade over Kyrie Irving, right? Josh and Mike, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah. So certainly from a, a culture and, uh, yeah, much and, much prefer to have him on the team over Kyrie. And an upgrade over Isaiah Thomas as well, right? We're going trending in the upward direction. And I think having him play in the, um, not the Olympics, but the the – World Championships, World Games, yeah, with with Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that that impacted their chemistry a lot, and I think gave him a head start for this season. Um, and he's he's clearly one of the stars of the team, and the locker room uh, glue guy. You know, him and and Marcus Smart, I would think, are are the glue guys. It seems like Smart's the guy. You know, obviously we saw in the playoffs who is going to ruffle some feathers in order to make sure everybody is uh, on the same path. But it seems like. Kemba's the guy who's kind of in everybody's ear with the positivity throughout each day and and kind of the the more uh daily glue guy. What do you guys think of that assessment? Yeah, I mean I think I think his you know everyone says his uh his you know he's always wearing that smile and and it's kind of infectious and contagious in a in a positive way. I think he sets an absolutely uh essential tone in the locker room. Um, I, I have a bit of, of the nexus and O's question for you, though, Kevin, about Kemba. You said, you know, he's he's one of the best pick and roll uh, point guards in the NBA. He's an excellent uh, three point shooter. You know, what do you think about what do you think Kemba brings to the Celtics on offense uh, that that maybe goes unnoticed or underappreciated uh, by fans that that, you know, might look at some of his raw numbers in the playoffs uh, which weren't super impressive. They weren't as glossy uh, as as some might have right. hoped. But so, what do you yeah. think he might bring to the team that that might go un, underappreciated or unnoticed? Right. Well, well, to piggyback on what you guys uh, just talked about, as far as him being a glue guy and a and a uh, uh, bringing a, a different or better culture than the two previous point guards you guys had, uh, 
he he's definitely a, a leader on the floor um to tie that into uh x's and o's um i i think he's more apt to uh to run to try to run what brad stevens is trying to execute whether whatever type of movement or action they're having i think uh kimba is more of a guy of make sure that people are in their in their places rather than uh the mentality of Kyrie or 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 uh, Isaiah Thomas preceding him, but you, you guys hit it on the head with him being a a, a glue guy. Um, I think he's got more of a floor general way about him. So, uh, with all of that said, all of these positives, fans are not as uh, supportive. Not all fans are in, in the Celtics Nation are as supportive uh, of of Kemba Walker on this team. There's been a lot on Twitter. Um, calling him out. Uh, I mean, some of it is a little bit ridiculous, but we wanted to to kind of present a few arguments in opposition of Kemba Walker, um, kind of from a devil's advocate perspective. And then, Kevin, get your perspective on that. And and so how we're going to run this is is I'll go through about five different arguments. I'll give the the Celtics Pride crew a chance to add any thoughts or statistics or or um, back up to that argument and then we'll throw it to you, Kevin, to get your thoughts. And, and some of us may agree with you and, and jump in in support as well. Uh, but that's how we're going to run this. So the first argument is that Kemba Walker doesn't bring it in the playoffs. And I'll share that uh, his, his statistics this year in the regular season, they were basically at his career average, uh, which there's something to be said for the fact that he's got far more talent on this team than he's ever had previously. So you, you would expect that some of those numbers would be down. But um, his value over replacement player was down this year. He was in the fours the last few years, and this year was down to 2.9. He hasn't been that low since before he started hitting three-pointers uh, about four-ish years ago. And then when he uh, in the playoffs, his value over replacement uh, player is down below one for every single season he's been in the playoffs and some might say it's a small sample size. He's played 28 games, 17 of which were this year, um, which is small, but it's not tiny. And, and I wonder if it's enough to see some trends and draw some conclusions. And this year, his three-point shooting was certainly down. Uh, he only shot 31% from three. Uh, Josh or Mike, anything to add to this argument that Kemba doesn't bring it in the playoffs? Yeah, I think He's he's top three on my list who's of guys who've never proven anything in the playoffs, at least from my perspective. I may be biased. But is Kemba that an Walker, NBA list or is that a Celtics list? It's an NBA list. It has three guys on it. Kemba Walker, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. And he's on that list. Wow. Um, and I kinda I wanna look at his evolution as a shooter and his his lack of shooting in the playoffs as kind of the same conversation, you know, because he pull up Kemba was automatic in college, you know, around the elbows. But he only shot 32.6% from three at UConn. Um, and then his first four years in the league, he shot 31% from three. Then in the offseason, he dedicated himself to being more efficient. Um, this is the offseason of 2015. And in the last five years, he's averaging 37 to 38% uh, from three. And overall for his career, he's 36%, which is actually the exact average of all NBA shooters from deep. Um, but when the lights are brightest, Adam, as you said, this year in the playoffs, 31% from three. 33.7% um, overall in the playoffs. 
you know, because he's been in the playoffs three different years. So he, his, you say his play stays the same in the playoffs. He doesn't raise his level of play. But I would argue with his shooting going down from three that that's huge for this team and, and that his play actually goes down in the playoffs. Um, and that makes me feel like there's a, there's a part of this that's like he's not as he was advertised to be. Mike, anything to add? I mean, I, I think you can't argue with uh, the fact that his production has decreased um, in his <laughs> three postseasons relative to his regular season numbers. I do think you can't take a lot of stock in really anything from his postseasons uh, with the Hornets because he was literally their only offensive option. Right. And um, defense, you know, you just play against better defenses. Uh, he they went against the Heat twice. We know how good a coach Bolstra is. We know how effective he's going to be in in diagnosing schemes. I haven't gone back and watched the tape from those series or anything, but I can imagine that Spolstra would come up with effective ways to not let Kemba get into his comfort zone. And in this playoff series, and in, in this playoffs, um, we did see that Kemba can be taken out of his game and and the zone defenses that were thrown against uh, the Celtics by both the Raptors and the heat um, did get Kemba off. I think what we don't know uh, is how much his knee was or was not affecting him. And I know, I know that's a little bit lame as an argument, but at this, on the other hand, he is a small, he is a small guard um, and he needs to be able to be kind of at his athletic uh, peak to, to have a chance at, scoring at the the way he has scored historically uh i mean that might be a different argument against him uh, that you might be getting to adam we'll see but uh <laughs> um like let's just do one argument at a time let's just go play i know the the, the other shooting. the other piece i know the other piece that i would say about this playoff run uh when thinking about those numbers is you know it is the first time he got this deep into the playoffs i you know it was pretty evident that he was kind of learning uh about the intensity of the playoffs as as you get deeper in um so uh, yes i think he performed worse than he has uh i don't think that automatically means he can't learn from this experience and get better coach simmons what do you think about kemba in the playoffs versus the regular season well uh the first thing um his previous coaches josh spoke of his uh postseason play or his three-point percentage in in college and and with the uh, the Hornets, like you say, he was the best player on the team in most of those cases. And his green light from uh, James Borrego, Steve Fisher before that, and of course, uh, 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 coach uh, from from UConn, his his college coach, uh, all of those people, Calhoun, uh, he was Ollie there with him. Yeah, was oh, yeah. So all of those coaches. Uh, uh, gave him a green light, I'm sure, with him being one of the most talented players that they had at that time, all, all of those coaches. And um, I think that uh, put him in a position to be more of a scorer um, where this year going deep in the playoffs with these guys, um, he they don't really need him to score. He's definitely not a primary option. I don't even know if he's a third option uh as far as the Celtics go now so um his production uh would obviously have something to do with the fact that he's not 
he, he's not the guy they're looking for. Um, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be ready when it's time for him to, to shoot and he shouldn't be able to, uh, like you said, Josh, be, be more efficient and stay efficient in his role. But I think I think that probably has something to do with it, with him settling into a role where he's not a, a primary option, where it's not just go, go, go off of Kimba's back all the time um, with, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and, and uh, even Marcus Smart, I, I guess, uh, or Gordon Haywood being uh, those options prior to him. Um, I, I don't think there, I don't think this Brad Stevens is giving him the green light of looking for him to do as much scoring as his previous coaches did. Do you think that has a limiting effect on him? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That you, you hit the nail on the head. I think, I think he uh, is, as you put it, in a learning phase of uh, uh, going deeper into the role of not only of the playoffs, but of being a true uh, point guard, uh, uh, run the floor first, uh, score second. Uh, versus his previous roles of just just go win, um, and I don't know if I don't know if Brad Stevens has really and and not placing any of this on Brad or his his coach. I don't know if 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 Kimba has learned that from Brad yet how to fill in the role that I I I perceive as being would would be what they're what they're looking for from him now. Yeah, I see the same thing, uh, and I feel like coach I feel like I gave him a pass all year long on taking time to learn when to support other guys and when to take over as as the floor general um and I feel like I saw him doing that throughout the year like I thought I felt like he was getting better and better throughout the year at being that floor general who can sense when it's time to do what um but then you know he's still kind of transitioning from being a scoring point guard you know, and then the playoffs came and it was like we saw a totally different Kemba. And I question like when the lights are shining the brightest, is he going to regress to being like the guy who's automatic from the mid-range but needs to prove people wrong about his ability to shoot threes? Like that mentality that's been a part of his game um, where he's, he's got people questioning that and having that baggage and carrying that burden, you know, growing up with, with – you know, that stigma a little bit, like he's automatic from the mid range, but he can't shoot the threes and he's proven the doubters wrong. But I wonder if that's still in the back of his mind psychologically, like, is that the real Kemba? You know what I mean? What do you think coach? I I don't, I don't, I don't think that, uh, that plays. I think he's, uh, mentally strong enough not to, to let that, uh, mess with how he plays. I just think that, um, he probably, um, over this summer and over over the year to come, I think, or I say this summer, but this off season, um, he'll probably become more of a, a of a floor general. Um, I think it's a it's a growth process. The the other thing, you know, um, I, are we looking at is this his seventh or eighth year in the league? Ninth. Ninth. This this will be his ninth season, or he just completed. No, his I ninth think season? he just finished his ninth. We'll look okay. it up. So. So, so he's, so he's been around a while. So, uh, but again, as, as a Celtic and in the role that, uh, Brad Stevens, what's, I think this year obviously was a, was a, a weird year in terms of his, his ability to grow, uh, with the break and all. And, um, you know, uh, Mike, you spoke, of, you spoke of the injury. 
Um, I wasn't too sure about his injury, and I don't really keep up with uh, NBA guys' injuries like I, like I probably do for college guys. But um, the, the NBA guys, you know, they, they have a long road. They have a long season. And how, how the injury affects them, you know, uh, Kyrie is always hurt, you know. Um, but when it's like you said, when the lights shine the brightest, none of those injuries uh, make a difference if they're on the floor, you know. Um, so, so Kimba, I just think he has to settle into that role with those players, and I think um, once he settles into that role, he'll be he'll be more efficient in in, in the in the coming seasons. I, I, you know, you know, when it comes to New York guys, we we travel a rough road in in Boston in New England. <laughs> yeah why do you think that is <laughs> why do you think new york guys get a bad rap in boston <laughs> well uh it might it might have something to do with uh some other sports uh rivalries um I, you know we we've we've been through we've been down the eli road we've been down the uh the yankee road and um Schilling and 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 all those different folks from those other sports. So, Kevin, what would what would New York guys who are actually from New York say about you? You know, defending New York to the death, even though you're from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I assume you're you're a Nets fan. Well, well, well. Here's the thing. I I, I grew up in New York City. I I went to uh, I went to high school. I grew up in the Bronx and in Jersey City and in Harlem between those three boroughs, if you will, and uh, New York, New Jersey people, the, the, the Giants are uh, physically located in, uh, in New Jersey. When I was a kid, they were located in New York in, Giant, in Yankee Stadium for a little while. Uh, so we, we, we go back and forth across the Hudson, and uh, we, do, we definitely stand tall against, uh, against New England uh, together. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you you brought up the the, uh, I, the the role that Kemba Walker has and how it's shifting on this this team from more of a playmaker um, and a facilitator than just a primary scorer. Is that the role you think makes the most sense for Kemba Walker on this team? And that's really a two part question. Like on the one hand, from hearing you talk, I can't tell if you think that Kemba a could score in the playoffs, like he has in the regular season and number two would that actually be the most helpful thing for this team to win uh you, you obviously the dynamic players that you have between uh jason tatum and and uh and uh jalen brown um you guys you don't need a you don't need a kimball walker to be a primary scorer you need him to do what he's very capable of and and running the offense and uh being able to to be a, a role player if you will um when it comes to scoring being able to hit the the open three-point shot when it's kicked to him later on when those other guys start to to get it but now you're also talking a point guard with two wings so his primary role of being a scorer uh, i'm saying you don't need him to do that to win um I do think with the two dynamic wings that you have, um, you, you need you need a you need a power forward. You need somebody in the middle, uh, also. You need mm -hmm. you need a, a, 
a, a big man to, um, I think, help with Kimber's efficiency of a pick and roll guard, point guard. Um, because the, the wings, again, they're dynamic athletes and they're great scorers. And uh, uh, Marcus Smart is a, is a scrappy guy, but he's just, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have the size. You guys just don't have that much size um, right now. Now, the new kid that you have from uh, Stanford. His last name's Williams. I just don't know if you're talking about Grant or uh, Robert. <laughs> no, he's talking about think, Romeo. Is he from Stanford? Which no, guy? Romeo's uh, from Indiana. Is that who you're talking about? I, I want to say Grant. Did you say Grant Williams, Mike? Grant Williams was uh, Texas. Robert Williams is from Texas A&M. Grant Williams played at uh, Tennessee. E- e- either way, both those guys, since we don't know exactly who they are, it, that just goes to t- show you we don't have a, a, a strong enough uh, big man or strong enough power forward. I think that's where we're lacking. And that, in, in, in Kimba's defense, that's not, that's not his defense, uh, but I, I – I, what, uh, your question, do we need Kimber to be a scorer to win? I think Kimber needs to fulfill his role as a as a point guard and facilitator, um, role player, if you will. But I think in addition to win, I think you need to be a little stronger in the middle. Yeah, we talked about how there was a hole in the, mir- in the middle all season long. Um, and the, the players like Daniel Tice actually proved us wrong for most of the season and then in the in the playoffs, it really wasn't until we we faced the Heat that that really showed. Uh, but it in terms of Kemba playing in the playoffs, Mike, I think you you weren't um, promoting this heavily, but I do think that injury played a role uh, in, in how he played in the playoffs. And we know that l- lower body injuries can affect players' shots, especially as you move out to three point land. Mike, was there anything else you wanted to add? We're real quick, just on the injury. So, because I know I did bring it up uh, earlier, I do. I do think every player is probably dealing with at least one one thing, if not multiple things. So, I don't. I really do think it's pretty lame to to point to. And I I think you know if Kemba is going to be affected by injuries in the postseason, um, and he had like a six month hiatus uh, in this one to try to recover, and and it still lingered. I mean, that's a different. That's a different potentially concerning thing with him um i just found it funny because danny ange who's who we all uh greatly appreciate for his his salesmanship you know immediately came out after the after the playoffs ended and and started talking about how kemba was limited by his by the knee uh more than he was letting on which is you know very nice thing for danny to do as the gm but i just found it kind of amusing a very danny thing to do but I mean, we all watched the games. Kemba's out there hustling, taking charges. He looked fine to me. I mean, I wasn't seeing him like peak Kemba, but he looked fine. He looked like Kemba Walker out there, right? We will come back to the injury issue. And and and, and just just real quick, Josh, I think I think that's I think that's the New York toughness that that he's going to play injured. He's going to take charges. He may not be able to raise up off of a three point shot, but if he's out there, he's going to play as hard as he can and, uh, and, and try to contribute. I knew Kevin would say New York toughness at some point. I, my money was on <laughs> earlier than 25 minutes in, but I knew that was coming out. Probably not the last time we hear it either. Josh, I agree. I, I don't, I thought Kemba looked pretty Kemba ish, uh, the entire time. I mean, I, I don't, I don't watch the film closely enough to, to be able to detect, you know, 
extremely subtle differences in his explosiveness, but he, he generally was able to kind of get to the spots. He, he really struggled. You know, I think many players were struggling with, I guess, something about the humidity and the, the, the courts were slippery and, and his handle seemed looser uh, down there than, uh, than it normally is. Um, and he seemed to really struggle with that, but that was the only kind of performance thing. Um, physical performance thing that seemed different about his game to me. I, I think there was just a lot of, I think it was what Kevin was talking about. There was adjusting and, and kind of figuring out his role. I think it's figuring out his role in the intensity of, of the playoffs specifically. Um, and I would add just one thing to what coach Kevin was saying about, you know, I fully agree that Kemba needs to figure out how to play his role and, and increasingly become a facilitator and a guy that kind of sets the table. You know, the other role that Kemba is able to play versus kind of a more pedestrian point guard is he still has the threat of being that explosive offensive player. And he needs to be able to figure out how to harness that um, and, and pull it out almost like Steve Nash used to do. Like, and, and I'm not saying that Kemba is as good as Steve Nash was obviously, but um you know, be able to kind of be available to be an elite score when when Jason basically needs needs to kind of defer or get let somebody else create the offense. But the more I've thought about kind of the way the postseason had unfolded, the and and then looking at like the Heat and the way that Jimmy Butler's kind of intensity and edge helped propel that team forward the more I think that the Celtics kind of trajectory is like 97% dependent on whether Jason Tatum can get that level of mental toughness and physical toughness into his game. We'll come back to toughness too. Argument number two uh, is sort of an anti-Kemba stance. And and this is stuff we're seeing a little bit out there on, on the fringes of the, of Celtics nation. Argument number two is that Kemba Walker is too small And we're going to talk more about this after this quick break. Okay, we're back. We're talking about Kemba Walker with Coach Kevin Simmons. And uh, argument number two is that Kemba is too small. This is especially important with aging point guards. Kemba's going into his year 30 season. It comes up a lot on defense. Uh, While Kemba tries hard, which is a big difference from Kyrie, and, uh, and he's bigger than Isaiah Thomas, that's still a liability that shows up on in the playoffs when you are playing a team up to seven times and and you have to hide uh, Kemba on a player to avoid switches. Um, Josh or Mike, any additional thoughts on this Kemba's too small argument? Yeah, this is something that you know. There's small point guard theories out there. Am I remembering correctly that Danny Ainge even has a, a small point guard theory? I feel like Adam, you're. I mean, doesn't he love small gritty point guards? Sorry, Adam, but uh, I think maybe actually this is Bill Simmons' theory. Yeah, I mean, we get confused all the time. About small point guards not aging well? Well, they, they're, it's just that they get in, more injury-prone because they're smaller and, and they're getting beat up a lot uh, as they get older. I mean, we all get more injury-prone. And they rely more on, on you know, quick-twitch athleticism, right? Yeah. So if you're small, you need to be shifty, you need to be crafty, you need to be fast. Um, and those types of physical traits tend to diminish as you get older. The bigger uh, point guards, think someone like a Chauncey Billups or even a Kyle Lowry, right? They they remain kind of physically strong and big. They don't they don't 
they're not successful because of their ability to kind of speedily get around the court, but using kind of their their growing you know wisdom with which they they play the game, um, kind of mastering the nuance and subtleties, uh, improving their craft and and inc- improving their skills kind of over time. So that that tends to be the the historical uh, difference between the smaller point guards and, and bigger point guards with regards to how they age. And just in 10 years of coaching experience, I've noticed at every level I've coached at that the smaller guards don't get the whistle as the level of play improves. Like mm-hmm. if the ref's going to blow the whistle on a last second play on a driving layup, it's going to be on someone who's bigger. It's The small guards don't get that call late in the game and they don't often get that call in the playoffs as well. I feel like maybe Kemba noticed that a little bit in the playoffs this year. What I would say about the Kemba is too small. And Mike, just to, I, I got to interrupt you because this is your, if you have something to say in defense of this, now's the time. Otherwise, let's let Kevin respond and then you can piggyback on him if you agree. In defense against this argument, right? No, it's like if you if you have some... some... In support in support of yeah. the idea that he is too small. If you have supportive arguments or data or something else to add to it, then now's the time for that. Well, I, I guess I'll support it by saying, <laughs> I mean, he, he is a negative uh, defensively, unquestionably, right? Like... Um, uh, in the regular season, if you look at like ESPN's real plus mi- defensive real plus minus, I know you love these all-in-one stats, Josh. Actually, I mean everyone hates these all-in-one stats. In fairness, but uh, he was like a negative 1.2 uh, defensively, right? He's a minus defensively. He got picked on in the playoffs. Um, the Heat actively sought him out. The Raptors sought him out. Um, and good teams are always gonna, you know, if he's on the court with. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice, uh, teams are going to search out Kemba um, reliably, and there's for good with good reason. It sounds like you have more to say on that, Mike. We'll come back to you, Coach Kevin Simmons. What do you think about this argument that Kemba's too small? I, I don't think there's a, there's an argument that he's too small. Is he a small point guard? Yes. Uh, does he need to get in the weight room over the summer and and and? get some more muscle on him as he as he gets older uh so that like josh said the bigger guys the guys who uh, are able to take a little bit more of a beating are more apt to get the calls um and, and like you said going this deep in the playoffs he saw that this year um so i i, I would say he's not too small um especially after you guys having Isaiah Thomas, I, I, you know, this guy was tiny, but, but uh, you also had Kyrie Irving who um, like you spoke of Mike, the, the fast twitch, the quickness, all of that stuff comes into play. But now the, the ability to, to, to pull up, I don't think that has much to do with his size. Um, I think that just has to do with his uh, being able to shoot and being ready, um, uh, even against the, uh, the the bigger guards. Uh, he just has to he just has to increase his uh, his his shooting ability, or, or or better his shooting ability so that uh, so that he can be ready when that time comes. But again, it's just going to be knowing his role more than it has to do with size. The whole the whole size thing he he, he spent. Like you guys said, nine years in the league, um, he's going to be exploited where you have bigger guards and people are going to um, exploit whatever uh, 
whatever advantages they have size-wise to include in the middle, um, which was my point earlier. When you have, uh, you know, uh, guys on the other uh, coast that have, you know, th three, four athletic bigs, it's just a small, it's just a small uh, conference anyway. Um, so I don't think the guard, his guard size is any, anything that's that much of a problem for, uh, for the Celtics. What about on defense, Kevin? Obviously on defense, you, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to find the, the, <laughs> the mismatch, right? And there's always going to be a mismatch. I don't think there's any credence in the fact that he's too small to play in the, to, to, for the Celtics to win. I'll put it that mm -hmm. way. Um, that's, that's your ultimate goal because, uh, any, any team, any, any, uh, uh team in the league is going to look for the mismatch and there's going to be someone smaller on the other side, uh, other than the, other than, I mean, how, how, how much bigger is, uh, Rondo than Kimball Walker? Yeah. Maybe an inch or two. Not much. I think he's a yeah, little but, stronger too. But when you, right. When you add the, his wingspan and then the size of his hands, which adds an extra four inches to his wingspan, it's like he's six, six all of a sudden for Rondo. At least. <laughs> that is, that, he's got those that, ET fingers. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, but here's, here's my thing with the size argument. I, I actually, you know, even though I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate and the, and the negative Kemba guy on the podcast today, you know, which is I keep going back and forth on, on whether I actually believe it or not. I keep coming back to this, like he's not what he was advertised to be kind of a comment. Um, but the size thing isn't part of it for me, because if you're saying that we need a bigger point guard, what you're really saying is we need to get rid of Danny Ainge. And I don't believe that for a second. It's obvious that Danny Ainge likes small point guards. And it's great that we finally got one after getting rid of a couple who tries on defense and really works hard and takes charges and, you know, at least gives his all on that side of the court. But to me, if I'm fine with having a small point guard, especially one as dynamic as Kemba, as long as he can knock down the three. When, when he initiates the offense and becomes that true floor general who can understand when to score and when to get other guys involved, and then that ball comes back around to him for an open three, and he's 40% shooting that, I got no problem with his size. I think that we can win an NBA championship with a small point guard who can shoot 40% on that catch and shoot. If he's shooting 31% like he does in the playoffs this year, now you know now that that's the issue. But I don't think it's because of his size. I think it's because of his shooting. I mean, I, I fully agree with what Josh said. I would just add a couple of, of things. Um so with, with Kemba, with his shooting, I think, you know, one of the things, and, and with kind of a, a credit to Jared Weiss of The Athletic who wrote about this in his uh, postseason report cards, but one of the things that Kemba should look to add in the offseason, and, and this was what Jared Weiss recommends, and I, the more I've thought about it, the more I agree with it, is the deep three-point shot. Um, you know, like the, tw you know, the Dame Lillard, Steph Curry range shot because he is smaller it does get harder to penetrate into the offense and when you are a legitimate threat from further away from the hoop you draw out the defense create more space for yourself and your teammates and um can kind of offset the disadvantage of being smaller and the reason that's important is because what i wanted to say before is you know 
the negative defensive real plus minus that Kemba Walker had is the exact same one that Steph Curry had for the regular season. Now, Kemba obviously on offense is not Steph Curry, uh, but he can, you know, if he gets that deeper three point shot, then he gets a little bit closer to approximating some of, some of Steph's greatness. Um, and Kemba will never be Steph Curry, uh, no matter what work he does this off season. But Josh, you, you love throwing out the theory that, um, Danny Ainge built this Celtics team in the Warriors image. Uh, if that's true, then Kemba was and is meant to be our Steph um, and meant to have that gravitational pull to open up the floor for everyone else. Uh, so, you know, I think Kemba is not too small for us to have a chance at winning the championship, but he does have to be, I agree fully with what Josh just said, he has to be a potent threat from beyond the arc. And I think ideally a bit further beyond the arc, as Jared Weiss suggests, um, uh, to, to really maximize our ability to compete with him at the highest levels. I love it, Mike. The, the list of guys who shoot that shot, the shot like way further away from the three-point line than you need to shoot. I mean, this is only a shot that was acceptable by coaches for the last two years. So this is a brand new scenario. The list of guys who shoot that shot are Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Steph Curry, and now after the playoffs, you could add Jamal Murray to the list. But it's like, a, it's like five people on the list who can really hit that shot consistently. And, you know, every 18-year-old that when they come into the league is going to try shooting that shot for the first, like, three three weeks of practice before their coach shoots them out, probably. <laughs> Kevin, I, I assume that running pick and rolls at 28 feet out is just going to allow more space for uh, Kemba to drive and then be the facilitator that you're talking about, uh, especially as his speed slows down as he gets older. Uh, correct. And, and also, as the Kimba defender, if we're talking about size, again, I think you got I heard you guys mention NBA championship a couple times. If if you get out of the East, which is obviously the goal first, if you get out of the East, you got to have more size in the middle. So I think the Celtics size doesn't problem doesn't lay with Kimba's size. I think it lays with you with not having enough size. Uh, uh, down low and again you guys I know you've you've talked on that a little bit but as the Kemba defender I just wanted to shift the size uh, thing someplace else away from Kemba okay <laughs> can I can I add something one last thing real quick Adam just yeah. on the question you just asked Kevin so I, I meant to mention uh, exactly what you just said because uh, as far as shooting further away pulling the pick and roll out further um the best game the Celtics had against the Heat, whatever it was, game five or whatever, um, that was the adjustment they made. Right. And Kemba was able to get to his spots and take open threes against that Heat zone that had, you know, uh, created so much struggle for the team, the Celtics, for the through the first four games. And and basically, he set the – Tice ran further up. They set those screens about 27, 28 feet from the hoop. And then right. all of a sudden – uh, you know, Bam was not really himself in game five. That was a little bit of it, but he was also forced to make a much harder decision about how, how much ground he had to cover. And if he was going to fall back to, to recover, then he couldn't get all the way out to where Kemba was kind of settling into his sweet spot for the three. And when Kemba has space off that pick and roll behind the three point arc, he's money. Um, right. And so, so that, 
you know, that's another big piece of it. So that's why I love uh, Jared Weiss suggestion that that Kemba become the fifth player on that list. Uh, that 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 that's uh, in another place for Kemba to excel. Um, if the pick and roll is ran much higher, like you guys are saying, it, it, he that's also will allow him to penetrate further to hit the elbow shot, the mid range that he's more uh, gifted at than than he is with the three point shot right now. Anyway, so um, all all the way around, extending the floor and having a pick and roll. Now that's going to put a lot of work on Tyson on your bigs, but it doesn't have to be uh, Tyson that's coming out to set that really high pick and roll. Uh, it could even be one of those wings that said it because they're dynamic going to the basket off the pick and roll also. I, I completely agree with you guys. Uh, what do you think the chances are that he actually develops that shot this offseason? <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Uh, I think I think it's I bet I bet it's on his short list to work on. I hope so. I think the catch and shoot corner three is also the you know maybe more important than a 30 footer. In my opinion, right. hitting that, hitting the regular threes consistently off the catch is my main priority for Kemba. Yeah, but you know, as far as that that size argument goes, like everybody online, let's stop talking about Kemba's size because if he shoots better, you're not going to be worried about it, and if we get a, a bigger center who can also switch screens, you're not going to be worried about it either. Related to a lot of this, argument number three, and I just want to hit this quickly because we've already talked about it a little bit, is that Kemba Walker is or will be injury prone. And so as a small guard, we talked about that that's, there's a more likelihood that for players that have injuries, he's had this knee injury that is, just didn't go away. I do think it affected his shooting this playoffs. Uh, I don't think 31% is a normal uh, uh, three-point percentage for Kemba in the last four years. We know it's not. Um, and I don't think he's was shying away from the bright lights of the playoffs. I think that he wasn't getting the same lift. And Josh, you said he, uh, he looked... Uh, like he was out there playing and hustling, and, and Kevin mentioned that's the New York toughness. I agree with that. I, I think, of course, he was going to be out there, but he did not have the same burst to me, the same quickness. Um, so, Kevin, let me just throw it to you. What do you think about the idea of small guards being more injury-prone or Kemba Walker specifically being slowed by injuries as we move forward in the next three years of his contract? Uh, okay, so injuries are – whether it, whether it's a small or a big, whether it's uh, a point guard or whether it's Kevin Durant, um, I mean, this is will this be two seasons that Durant hasn't played, or or is it COVID making me think that? Uh, he, no, he just, he just missed one. He just missed one. It was just a long season. <laughs> and and while while he was here in Oklahoma City, he missed some some time for for foot injuries as well. And I think. Players in general, whether they're a small point guard or whether they're a, a seven-footer, uh, they're going to, uh, as time goes on, the injuries are going to affect their bodies in different ways. Now, the the beating that Kimball Walker uh, will have to take if he wants to try to get to the basket and and try to get the call, as Josh said, um, he, he, he definitely – to, to ward off that injury, he definitely needs to take care of his body and put on uh, some muscle weight uh, over over the uh, over the off season to be able to to continue on. So, could the injuries could he be more injury prone? Mm, depends on how he takes care of his body. Depends on how he prepares. And and things are shifting now as guys get older and they want longevity in the league. They really uh, invest in taking care of their body. 
uh, to gain that longevity. And I think Kimba might have that that type of mindset that might be a plus for you guys. Josh or Mike, any quick thoughts on that? I have very quick thoughts, which is, I mean, a knee injury that lingers is concerning, but, you know, um, obviously just have no idea uh, what what that's going to look like next season. I, I would say that unquestionably, if it continues to, to linger or some other things act up, it's it's going to be bad news and, and it's unlikely Ken, Kemba will live up to the value of his contract um, if, he, if he really is plagued by injuries. But we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Uh, but he, he, the first, whatever, eight years of his career, he was basically injury free. So hopefully this is just a, a blip on that otherwise pretty clean, clean run for him. Yeah. Kemba is, I'm not as worried about Kemba's injury history or potential for injuries in the future. Um, especially since we have another player on the Celtics who on this episode will remain unnamed, at least for now. Uh, you know, who's got more issues with injuries and, and there's reason for more concern. Um, and yes, he has a mustache. Argument number four, anti-Kemba from the Celtics universe is uh, that he makes too much money. And uh, it's not something that you can really, I mean, once you sign the player, he's, he's on the team as, as Josh's non-named player is a reference to. Uh, but if you're thinking from a front office and a, and a uh, team composition perspective, the Celtics... Uh, have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who this year were making small money relative to their play. And Brown is going to, his contract is going to kick in that 25 plus million per year. Tatum has another year, assuming he signs the extension this some, this uh, off season, he'll have another year at lower money and then that will kick in. Uh, and we're assuming that mustachioed unnamed player is going to opt into his 34 million a year but Kemba makes the most money on this team he's got three years left including a player option uh play paying a player like Kemba 34 million dollars one might argue as a devil's advocate that uh that's too much money Josh Mike any quick additions or data for this well that sounds like a no (laughs) (laughs) but I want to hear what Kevin has to say first (laughs) You want to hear what I have to say about his money? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, the the first rule of thumb with New York guys is we don't we don't mess with anybody's money. We don't we don't we don't <laughs> we don't talk uh, contracts. We we stay out of people's pockets. But here's here's the thing, um, Chris Paul. I thought uh, was too much money for uh, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder to take on that contract. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what he made. Yeah. Now, oh yeah. yeah. They got Chris, a bunch of picks Chris to take Paul, that on though. Right, right. They did. And and Chris Paul is a better player than Kimba uh at, at, at as far as their respective careers. Uh but at this point in Kimba's career, that, that contract um is not finished yet and you haven't seen what he'll do yet. I I think um, from a value standpoint, uh, Chris Paul proved his value this year, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Kimba settling into his his role uh, and being able to prove his value is what you guys are going to have to wait and see in a in a more traditional season, if if you will, to to wait and see this year. Um, if uh, if if we want to go back and say this was a uh, 
a broken season because I mean they still achieved and they still went deep into the playoffs even though we had COVID in the midst of everything and I think um, was Kimball worth 34 million this year Meh, maybe not but to finish out the contract I think you'll I think you'll have to see moving forward um, and that and that's from Danny Ainge having to pay these other people that uh, you know uh, are, are his younger guys and his uh, guys that he wants to stay around a while uh, it, it's 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 a tough one it's it's really tricky it's really tricky um, I don't know if you guys have watched that new GM show uh, uh, where where they're battling to to make decisions uh, from, from a GM perspective uh, on ESPN but uh, it's it's a job I don't know if I want. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest factor is going to be what happens with the salary cap too. Uh, it sounds like China is, is showing games again, so that money should come back in. But we have to see what uh, what the cap looks like next year and the next couple of years going forward. Right. So, guys, this this like, are we paying him too much money? Argument. It really should be relabeled. I think. Um, I think the question should really be: Is Kemba Walker a low tier All Star? or a low tier max contract. Cause if you're paying like two to three guys on your team, the max or near max money, you don't want them to be low tier all-stars guys who make one all-star team and then don't make another one. Um, and, and I, I put together this list here for you guys. Okay. Here's the list of low class or low tier all-stars over the last three years. Um, and this is when you remove post players, you know, for the sake of this conversation, we're taking out LaMarcus Aldridge, Sabonis, Andre Drummond, and Kevin Love. So that leaves you with the list of D'Angelo Russell, Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, and Gordon Hayward. These are guys who that, in the that All-Star game. That is the most game, confusing list <laughs> of all time. You can't, you can't say D'Angelo Russell... Goran Dragic and um, Isaiah Thomas is your first three, and then expect me to actually listen to the rest of the list because that just made no sense. Like those, like Isaiah Thomas is not even in the league right now because he hasn't performed for the last few years. Goran Dragic was just like the most important, the, the second best player on the team that lost the finals, and D'Angelo Russell is D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I, I'm assuming Josh had a point, and I'm curious to hear what it was. I'm sorry. It was, <laughs> I was just confused. <laughs> Gentlemen, these are guys who, in the All-Star game, are just happy to be there. They're starstruck in that environment. They're simply not superstars. right? You look at a guy like okay, Chris Dragic. Dragic, yeah. Like these, these are guys who are not like the elite max players in the game right and so the question is like does Kemba Walker belong on that list or you know he's been voted as an all-star starter he's been to four all-star games he's not a guy who should be on that list if you're a fan you know like he's a guy you're grouping if you're a casual fan with like Allen Iverson and Kyrie Irving and guys who've got these crazy handle and and the things that they can do with the ball just make you a fan of his and make you vote him in as a starter um, he definitely got respect from other people around the league, like other superstars as well. But when you watch, you know, these little guys in the in the All Star game, like when It was really good and was playing in the All Star game, you could tell in the All Star game, like he wasn't on the same level as an Anthony Davis and other guys. And I feel like it's the same with Kemba Walker. So I'm asking you guys: Is Kemba Walker a low tier All Star? 
but there there's a middle tier right there's there's like the victor oladipo tier and bradley beal i think that's where kemba is it's it's not he's better than a just happy to be there like a fluke all-star selection type of guy but he's he's obviously not a top 10 player in the league he's he's not a top 20 player in the league but he's definitely like a top 35 40 player in the league Maybe even a little better than that. I'd, I'd have to look at a list more closely. 25 to 30. Like, he he's, should be an all-star all the time. Or most of the time. He's just not, but he's not, he's not the one that, like, he goes to your team and your franchise has changed forever, right? He's not in the LeBron James, AD, right. Harden class. I agree that with that, Mike. Josh, I, I don't think he, I don't think he would be considered a low-tier uh a low tier all-star. Um, I think, I think more to Mike's point, he might be, uh, he might be more of a mid range all-star um, where, uh, you know, he's going to have some, he's going to have some big games. And obviously he's had a career where he's put up some big numbers again, when he was the primary scorer. Um, now I think you, your question might be, can he be an all-star in his new role, can he be? Can he be an all-star at, at settling into the floor general? Can he be like like a Chris Paul, which is who I would think he would want to aspire to 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 be like? Adam, what do you? Yeah, think? I mean, I think that I, I think Kevin's point is is spot on. I think I I hadn't thought enough about this role switch for Kemba, and I think he needs to to be an all-star in that role. I. Not sure which tier I would put him in uh, in over the, the next three years um, because of his declining age, I mean, increasing age, and because of um, what I expect to be maybe a half-step loss um, in quickness. And he, he's going to need to add to his game and be better in a, a different role for him to be able to stay at that mid, mid-tier all-star level that Mike uh, outlined instead of falling down to a lower tier. Either way, I don't think you're getting a Kemba unless you're paying him the 34 million that he's getting paid. With that, with that said, you, you're comparing that to how many guys can you have on your team making max money. I mean, it's basically you can pay three max salaries and then fill out the rest of your roster. It's it's you're you're paying humongous um, tax if you're if you're doing any more than that. And so at this point. Uh, for next year, because of Hayward's salary, you're basically you've got uh, uh, Kemba and Hayward and uh, Jalen Brown basically making close to that. Um, and then after that, you're you're switching Hayward and Tatum. And then, but you need to add talent to this team, and you need to re-sign Marcus Smart after next year. So um, the it's a it's a roster con- construction dilemma. But I. I think there's another piece here, and I'd have to go back and and look at the exact cap situation at the time. But I'm pretty sure when we signed him, because of the uh, Horford's departure, which caught us off guard, I think that was our last window to sign a max free agent. Yeah, we we ended up doing a sign in trade, which we didn't expect to do because you know the Hornets grossly overpaid for. Josh's favorite player, Terry Rozier. Right. Um, but <laughs> uh, 
we, you know, so we had a choice at that moment of not signing anyone and not being in any notably better or different cap situation aside from possible luxury tax considerations, which is a different conversation for another day and repeater tax stuff. Um, so we either could have just signed no one or we could have signed Kemba to the deal we signed him at. And I think you would so, make that choice 10 times out of 10 or at least nine times out of 10 agreed. Uh, to, to sign Kemba at the, at the number we got him at. Right. So you're saying Kemba was the best available. He was the best available. He, 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 he helped offset the sting of losing both Kyrie and Horford in the same offseason. And then he ended up, you know, maybe not accidentally being like the perfect salve for all of the damage, all of the damage right. that Kyrie inflicted on our locker room. Right. So real quick here, you, you asked the perennial all-stars around the NBA who, who are all-stars every year. Should Kemba Walker be an all-star? They're all going to say yes. If you ask those same players, you know, are they scared of Kemba in the playoffs? They're all going to say no. I don't think anyone's scared of, of you know, anyone else on the list that I mentioned as well, too. And so that's why I question whether he's a low-tier all-star, or as Mike would put it, maybe a middle-tier all-star. Like you ask Paul George, he's not scared of Kemba Walker in the playoffs. And that's, Are people scared of Paul George in the playoffs now? <laughs> Right, right. So Paul George, first off, none of those guys are going to say they're scared of anybody. Uh, in a closed door room. Yeah, but 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 uh, Paul George is probably not the person to ask. Um, I, I would say any of the other point guards would be up for the challenge against Kimba, but I think Kimba would be up for the challenge against them as well. Um, you know, again, and that that the toughness of small point guards, I think you guys got the right guard. Um, moving forward, taking care of his body and keeping his uh, 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 knee straight and, 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 and outside of injuries and getting his three-point shooting up, uh, that's where you need to go. But as far as him being a threat, will people be afraid of him in years to come? Depends on if he gets the shot together. If he gets that three shot, the three-point shot together, He'll be a threat. I don't think anybody will be afraid of him, but I think uh, he'll he'll put some people on their heels. All right. So final final argument against Kemba, and this is actually less of a both less of a Devils Advocate one and less of a Celtics Nation stuff we're seeing on Twitter thing. This is coming more from me and Kevin. You thought I was coming at Kemba when I was talking about his money. I'm about to talk about his competitiveness. Uh, and this really comes from this Miami series where the Celtics, and we've talked a lot about that, this on the podcast, the Celtics were out-focused, out-competed by the Miami Heat. That team is full of these just like balls-to-the-wall, competitive, uh, just mofos, just, just guys that come at you that are aggressive. And the Celtics laid down. And as the star veteran on the Celtics and I just I can't I can't put Hayward in that star category anymore as the star veteran uh Kem, it, to me it was Kemba's job to lead the charge around being competitive and and facing that heat team with the same level of fight and Kemba's got this this uh 
people view him at, because I think of his NCAA tournament back in college. They view him as somebody who who shines in this when the spotlight is brightest. And that just didn't happen in these playoffs. And then he made these comments after they lost about what a great season he had and how much he enjoyed playing with his teammates and how much fun they had. It was all joy and acceptance of the season in its totality. And I wanted more grit and and disappointment and heartbreak that just didn't happen. And so the question is, uh, or the argument would be, Kemba doesn't have the uber competitive leadership that this team needs to win a championship with him as the veteran star. Ah, so, so are, are you saying that, are you saying that that needs to be his role? I kind of expected it to be his role and it didn't, it, it didn't seem like he played that role. And it, and you, you could argue it's because he didn't have the experience in the playoffs yet. And he's still sort of learning what the playoffs are like. And I'm kind of like, well, that, that no excuses that to make. Um, the other point to make is, uh, What's the guy out in uh, – you have Marcus Smart, yep. right? So that's your uber competitive guy. That's your guy that's going to go to the mat, if you will. Um, I think I think Kimba um, appreciating his teammates and saying um, the bond and the relationship is better. I think Kimba is, uh, has to kind of – this is his first year, correct? So. Yep. I think he has to kind of walk lightly and and uh, and, uh, and let Marcus Smart feel more of that. Um, I, I think the grit is. I, I don't think the grit is not there. I think uh, he definitely has the grittiness, um, but showing the disappointment and and after following up a Kyrie who was very disruptive to you guys, I think uh, Kimba's. Uh, train of thought is probably not to be disruptive in any way at this point. I think it's hard for you to come in the first year and uh, you, you have to be careful not to point fingers after what you guys have gone through with, with Kyrie. Right. So um, there, there's some obvious flaws in some other places. Um, when we talk about the mustache, mustache guy and, and, and other issues that, fall outside of Kimba and I think Kimba have to uh Kimba has to be careful and uh and and, and be a leader uh, meticulously. Yeah, and, and I mean we we need to say that the goal coming into this season was to shift the culture of the team and to get to a place that was sort of a bridge uh between a competitive team and a championship team to grow as a team and A pluses all around for achieving those goals. It just so happened that when we got into the bubble, we realized that there was a real opportunity at a championship, which was totally unexpected. And w- right. when those expectations shifted, then now the evaluation looks a little bit different. And that's where you're hearing a lot of this coming from. Right. So, so the, so the bubble, the shift, the shift was happening in real time for those guys in, in a bubble. So I, I would, I would fair to say like, it, it, you know, when things are happening in real time, $34 million, maybe that should make you be able to adjust to things happening in real time. Uh, I'm sure the Celtic fans are looking at it like that and we have to seize the opportunity while we have it. Um, but I think, uh, uh, there's some young guys there that were taken out of their flow with the year and a year and a half of Kyrie. Um, so 
uh, Jason Tatum, somebody, somebody's got to get in his, in his ear because that's your most talented player. Yeah. And, and uh, Kimba, Kimba has to be that person, but I think Kimba has to grow it, has to, is of the mindset to grow into that and not to uh, be the guy coming in during his first year to be anywhere near the disruption that Kyrie caused. Yeah, we're waiting for Jason Tatum to grow up. We're waiting for Kemba Walker to get a year under his belt so then maybe he can start pointing fingers or leading in a different way. We're waiting for Kemba to to move from being a, a scoring point guard to being a floor general who knows when to do what and you know puts guys in the right places to fit into that. And you know, are we still waiting for Kemba to prove people wrong? Like, I'm surprised the Twitter verse isn't up in arms about Kemba's a Kemba's a bad player, a good player on a bad team, like Devin Booker. Like, I'm surprised we're not hearing a lot of that because I think there's an argument you could make for that. That you know, he's he's been a dynamic All Star and a fan favorite on a really bad team for a long time. He's finally on a good team with the Celtics, and during the regular season, he was proven you know, that stigma wrong about him. And then once the playoffs came around, it was like, oh, wait, no, he still needs to prove that stigma wrong. He's not just a good player on a bad team, right? I'd like to hear the conversation between Kimball Walker and Danny Ainge. Yeah. I'd like to hear what Danny Ainge's expectations of Kimber were coming into this season. And, and Brad Stevens. I wonder if Danny Ainge is even honest in those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> or if he's there's probably still too much spin to see see through the uh <laughs> see the truth. Adam, I, I mean I feel like this is a little bit like on you for having the wrong expectations of the role that Kemba could or should play versus Kemba for not playing that role. Mm-hmm. Like we knew when yeah. we got Kemba Walker he wasn't Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Right. And we wanted Kemba Walker to be Kemba Walker and not to be Jimmy Butler. We, I do think, and we, I think we talked about this in our last, last episode, but I do think the Celtics, the, the lack of having a true veteran that's kind of been through the whole grind of the playoffs, that could be a calming presence for everyone, including Kemba, who was going through his first time and figuring all of this stuff out on the fly um was a real lack uh, like it was really missing for the team you know they needed someone like an igudala or yeah. you know someone that could just capture that locker room and and speak with a gravity and a wisdom that nobody on the team had including the coaching staff and i think that yeah but i but i just think so i think i think you're right to point out the lack of that i think it's wrong to say that that's on kemba for not bringing that cuz i we didn't sign him as if he had taken a team to the championship or had been a part of a championship team and could bring that wisdom into the locker room. We signed him as a really talented dynamic point guard who, who would add a complimentary dimension to our team and who was just an absolute kind of bright, positive attitude um, and atmosphere raiser within a locker room and culture raiser. Right. And, and he, as you said, he kind of hit, a pluses on that um so so i just think it's like miscasting an expectation to to say you know he i think he was i I was so 
pleasantly surprised all season with with his competitiveness and and kind of com- just yeah general compete level on defense uh, despite being undersized and after watching the lackluster experience of of Kyrie I think I deserve that talking to thank you for that <laughs> no 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 guys no no this is he's the only player on the team who's a perennial all-star or a multiple time all-star he straight up put his arm around our young guys in the world games and was like follow me like this is he's the veteran on the team I, I don't think those expectations are improperly placed at all you know it's just a question of of how of what what level is he at like in terms of the players at his position in the game right now you know he's he's seen as one of the, the elite players in the game and you know our our resident Kemba defender comes on the pod and says he might not even be the third best player on our team and may not need to be Right. So it's it's still up for debate. It's still a waiting game. You know, like being a Celtics fan right now and for the last few years has been we're waiting for the the young guys to mature. We're waiting for everything to gel. Uh, We saw a lot of that happen this year and and we still got one more year to wait. Speaking of waiting, could we trade them to the Knicks? Would you guys consider trading them to the Knicks? I don't think you have anything I mean, to give back. I was going to say, can, can you name t- two assets on your team that are positive? I would take I would take RJ Barrett. Don't, just don't even don't even don't even say Knox. <laughs> don't even try that. I would take RJ Barrett and Tyrese Halliburton if he falls to you. I would take like five first round draft picks. Okay. 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 So look, there the argument that was on the team bus going to our away games two years ago and three years ago. We had a guy from the Bronx who was always talking about Kemba Walker. We had a guy, for whatever reason, who loved um, Mike Conley. We, uh, Kyrie Irving was in that conversation, and Isaiah Thomas. And it was, it was always, who's better of those guys? I think it's obvious that Kyrie Irving is better, but we don't even want him because of all the uh, extra baggage he brings, so let's remove him from the conversation. But, I mean, what do you guys think of of that level is Kemba on that level of like a Mike Conley, uh, an Isaiah Thomas when he was good or a Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Isn't this the same conversation you posed 10 minutes ago? <laughs> well, well, when you go to basketball reference, when you go to basketball reference and you look up Kemba Walker, it's got like a historical player context. Um, and there's some names on there. Mike Conley is one of them. Um, I feel like, Deron Williams is on that list. Mike Bibby is on that list. And so just kind of to temper the expectations. Yeah, Darren Williams. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so just to kind of temper the expectations of Celtics fans, like we got this guy coming in who's a multiple-time All-Star, an All-Star starter, and, you know, but he's not at that level. He's on the level of these other guys. Um, And the, the one guy that I thought of was also on this list for basketball reference but I thought of him beforehand as Baron Davis. You know, Baron is a guy who also dealt with that stigma of being a good player on a bad team um, in New Orleans, and but was considered, you know, one of the best point guards of his generation. Yet no one would ever consider him in the conversation as one of the best, you know, one of the great guards of all time. And I feel like right. we just have to make sure that we put Kemba in a category like that. What do you guys think of the Baron Davis comparison? Right. The scary thing about that is Baron Davis obviously never won a championship. So, uh, but I, I, I would, I would say he's in that category. I would say Kimba's in more of a, of a Baron Davis. Um, 
he's a winner. Um, but again, I don't think he's the he's the main piece of of what you guys need to get fixed um, moving forward. I think it's a a little it's a little bigger now. As far as what you guys started out with him being a glue guy. Um, and being a guy that's going to mature with the locker room, even though he's more mature, um, he, he's going to, I believe, between he and, and Marcus Smart, those guys are going to be uh, uh, good leaders on, on that team. And, and, and Kemba's uh, half his salary is worth that and being a glue guy and being a good locker room guy. Yeah, Kevin, I think that's a point that needs highlighting as well. Nobody on this podcast, as much as we're playing devil's advocate, is is on the trade Kemba bandwagon or anything like that. And the the piece about him being a culture setter and being great for chemistry is so much more valuable than everybody realizes. Because in this day and age, you got players jumping ship for small reasons. And if you can have a team that creates an amazing culture where everybody truly wants to be there and, and has fun and all those things that Kemba was saying after the season was over, uh, as ill-timed as it was immediately la- after the last loss. You know, that, that goes a long way in terms of keeping a team together and keeping young millennials or, or whatever the generation they're in now, keeping them committed to something bigger than themselves, which is the most difficult thing, you know, coach, as you know, to, to get these young guys to do is to be committed to something bigger than themselves. Um, and I think Kemba does is, is one of the guys around the league who does the best job of that of anybody. So, you know, the fact that we can look at four or five years from now and think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown might still be on this team, you know, there's not a whole lot of other teams around the league who can say that about their guys. And I think that's because of the culture we have and Kemba's perfect for that culture. Well said. So the, by all accounts, right, people were frustrated with Kemba for the last two rounds of the playoffs. Thir- 13 games, seven games against the Raptors, six against um, against the Heat. He had the best net rating of all of our regulars uh, that played, like, more than 30 minutes a game. Second only to Robert Williams, who played 13 minutes a game. Like, for all of this complaining and griping uh, in these devil advocate arguments, we were just unequivocally better with him on the court. So I would just as a concluding thought. You hear that Celtics nation, all you haters, all you Kemba haters, all you trade Kemba people. He didn't do enough. He's paid too much. He's too small. This team is good with Kemba. All right, Kevin Simmons. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, this is really fun. Hope you'll come back on some other time. We can maybe we, maybe when New York has something to talk about basketball wise, we can have you on again. My pleasure. I'll be glad to. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.